Hey everyone, I'm Lewis Malley. Welcome to the podcast. This episode was originally recorded on one of my live streams, so I hope you enjoy it. If you want to watch or listen to more of my content, please follow me on the various social media channels. Please leave a review, subscribe, and I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone, thank you very much for joining. Whether you're watching live, we're, we're recording this live actually, just to, just to let everyone know. We're not streaming it live, recording it live unedited conversation with show co-founder and CEO of PAVE. Um, welcome. I'm going to hear all about everything that he's up to and what they've been up to as well. Um, and yeah, we were just talking actually that we um, we spoke when I was in a coffee shop in Tufnell Park, which he seems to know pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Randomly managed to guess from your background that where, that's where you were. But anyway, that's uh, yeah. never happened How you before. Get- how you guessed where that white wall was i've uh I've never I, met. I don't know how either anyway that was fun uh, but yeah thanks for having me uh on the on the podcast pleasure pleasure so you were just asking me or fair about and why don't we start with this is it yeah. interesting i think for many people um i was mentioning that it's busy um recruitment wise a lot of companies hiring and and you'd heard there was a bit of a, a slowdown or what, what was your well i guess like uh you know when you look at the the macro indicators like you know I mean, various issues that I shouldn't generalize too much, but you look at like Netflix subs to um, Apple's, well, that's more supply chain, but their forecast on revenue to, um, I guess, Hopin's layoffs earlier in this year. And, and you kind of, at least I was getting the sense that perhaps um, some of the some of the bubble uh, in investment and hiring that happened in 2021 was you know, speculative and we're now potentially returning to a or, or are we seeing a correction and i was just keen to get your take on i feel like i'm interviewing you now but this is great let's do it um, good. Good. <laughs> your your take on like what, what are you seeing that in the hiring market as a founder i'm super interested because obviously it has big implications for our own hiring yeah. um yeah but what's your take at the moment i said i had this conversation with a private equity partner this week uh, and mm. i think i think the real answer is it varies from mm-hmm. sector to sector um you know from job function to job function um one thing i've learned just generally on a macro scale is is you never know what's going to happen i mean the wind the wind can just completely change you know we had covid you know there's there's a russia ukraine thing going on i mean there's so many factors i think that go into all of this stuff it's really difficult to make any decent I know what even long term is now six months, whatever you call it. But any any prediction? But I think if I give you my my experience over the last couple of years, I mean, we, you know, in twenty twenty April, I mean, every client called us and, and said, "Don't rush on that search you're doing." Right. I.e. Every, everything stopped. Right. And then you're like, yeah. you know, right. And you do all the planning, and you're like, uh, how long have we got left? And how long? How much money do we have? And the whole thing, which is a great experience to go through. Never at the time, but always in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And then I think in, so it was about May time that the that the searches we did pre-COVID restarted. And then from about July, August 2020, it was all new stuff. And and, and since then, it's been crazy, like lots of hiring. And, and, you know, we've heard about the big resignation, the big rehire, mm-hmm. a lot of firms cut too deep. Um, you know, some, some people were thinking about, you know, they were, they were just... They were reacting, right? A lot of a lot of a lot of CEOs, a lot of businesses were just reacting and they reacted quick. You know, a lot of people stopped, didn't stop and and take a breath. 
and just think, right, let's, you know, a lot of people just reacted quick. And, and, and I saw a lot of companies treat people really badly over COVID. Mm-hmm. They cut them really quick. And that has a, that's, that's a bad impact. You know, you look at people realize, you know, a lot of firms are just, um, you know, they're focused on the shareholders and profit, not thinking about their people. And then this big resignation, in my view, is a big resignation from bad companies with bad cultures. Good mm-hmm. companies with good cultures haven't had that issue, I think. And then mm-hmm. you had firms wanting to grow. And then we've had this, you know, this talent shortage. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's really continued it from my perspective, just g- generally. I think if you go into different sectors and different disciplines, it does vary. You know, some jobs don't exist anymore or being phased out and new ones. And, you know, I think like I know, IT development, UX, all these, all those kind of things are like in crazy high demand, you know, I mean, yeah. I was speaking to a, a CEO of a tech firm in San Francisco and, and he said, they're just getting poached left, right and center. Someone offers yeah. another 10 grand, 20 grand and, and they're off. So it's, it's variable. Um, you know, maybe people in hospitality, retail have, have struggled a bit more. Um, and then I, I read something on LinkedIn and, so this year, because a lot of people moved last year mm-hmm. on LinkedIn, everyone moved, you know, it's like, congratulations, show's got a new job, Lewis has got yeah. a new job. And and now I think the LinkedIn, there was a piece on LinkedIn saying that the adverts have gone up, but applications have gone down. Uh, I think there's a real, mm-hmm. I think there's um, a lot of people moved recently. And, and from the searches that we're doing, we've been doing this past few months and, and we've probably had more, we've got more searches now than we've ever had. It's probably our best, our best first couple of months of our financial year we've ever had hmm. um and but the searches are quite tricky in that you know a lot of people have moved and it's a little bit more tricky now to to get people and that's that's and, and that's for us we, we do europe and north america and so hmm. that's our general perspective super interesting um, it sounds like there's the following the great resignation we've got the kind of great settling in <laughs> yeah long I mean, answer to your question but yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating um, um I, I do get the sense well, okay well very subjective sense that uh i mean if i guess if i were an employee i would probably be looking at how the macro climate is playing out at the moment and think actually do i want to take a risk right now and, and jump ship or do i want to like get a bit get a bit comfortable i mean yeah, very speculative on my part, but I, I wonder what... Um... Well, I think the Netflix, I mean, you know, because, I mean, if it's so various, because you know, also a lot of people, let's not forget who, a lot of people struggled over COVID. Um, a lot of people lost their jobs, um, depending on the sector you're in. If you don't have the right skill set, or if, you're, if your skills aren't in demand, then, then it's tough. And, and, you know, we have energy prices going up, cost of living going up. I don't maybe the Netflix thing is people just tightening the belt. It's really hard to tell. Um, yeah. What, yeah. what do you think? Well, I know I think, you know, that's a that's a kind of sector sector or part of, I guess, society um, and the market that's close to our heart. Right. Like we we one of the one of the things that we do is help people manage their bill payments. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, in terms of in terms of uh, looking at subscriptions and understanding when and how consumers want or don't want to pay for them we have like a pretty good read on the market from our data um and i think um i i would agree that it's definitely consumers just being prudent and uh reassessing what are the essentials versus the nice to haves and you know it's a good reckoning moment for a lot of subscription products i think um but we we certainly i would subscribe to that well (laughs) no pun intended subscribe to that thought (laughs) 
<laughs> I really didn't mean that. That um, that uh, people are just kind of you know tightening the belts a little bit um, for sure. Uh, I, yeah. I, I would say that that's the case. Yeah, I mean because yeah. you know energy prices have already gone up. They're going to go up again in October. Um, inflation is you know already highest it's been in a while. It's it's clear that this is going to get this is going to get a bit tougher for for some. Yeah, I think so. And just just yeah. so we, just so everyone understands, so do you want to give us a little kind of overview of what you guys do? Yeah, sure, sure. So, Great so to hear. yeah, um, I'm sure uh, recapping uh, CEO and founder Pave. Uh, we we are a UK based fintech, and we are uh, primarily a you know consumer subscription product uh, that helps people build their credit score, which is a score that helps you get access to cheaper uh, and us- and usually better financial products, uh, specifically things like loans and mortgages. Um, and where kind of the problem that we see in the market is, of course, that there is financial exclusion because people don't have good credit scores uh, or can't even start building one. Uh, there's a bit of a catch-22 there because if you don't have past credit history, you can't create a credit history or get a product. And so we're trying to create a much you know, simpler alternative. Um, instead of getting a credit card with unpredictable fees, you pay one subscription fee with us and can predictably build your credit score nice. um, so that's what we do uh, at the moment that's that's interesting because most people when they leave school or university have no idea yeah. that they need to actually start to build a credit score yeah that's right and i think um you know i i went to university here in the uk uh and then at one point i was looking at getting a mortgage maybe 10 years later and uh couldn't couldn't get approved because I was uh, I was a director of a company. This is what a few years ago where um, we were a lot smaller, and I didn't even realize. You know, this was prior to us actually doing credit building, so that's why I didn't know yeah. about it. But um, yeah, it was an interesting experience to think that you know, having been here ten years, I still couldn't <laughs> get, <laughs> get like a mortgage. Right, it was a bit silly. So so you know, it's uh, quite an endemic um, problem in the system um, yeah. affecting. 10 15 million people in the uk so that's yeah that's the market that we serve lovely and how did you get into this what's Uh, the story behind it yeah well um so i i i always like to say like i i do care deeply about problems that um solve like systemic inefficiencies and uh, reduce exclusion that's what gets me really excited and that stems from um i used to work in the social sector uh, I started working with uh, homelessness in Japan, where I'm from, okay. um, for a company called The Big Issue, um, oh, yeah. which helped. Yeah, we have yeah. that here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So actually, it's a UK yeah. company. Yeah. And their first international office, I think I, I'm getting this right, was in Japan. So ah, in, in, in Tokyo? Or? It was in Osaka, which is where oh. uh, I'm not from there, but I'm from nearby. Um, and so I spent a summer. Uh, it was like 35 degrees Celsius, uh, super, super hot summer, delivering the magazines to the vendors so they didn't have to right. like pay the travel fee to come and stock up again. Nice. Um, nice. Which was super fun because I got to know them really well at some real like gems of people, just the most yeah. resilient people I've ever met. Um, anyway, um, so I started amazing. doing that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And, and um, learned about the power of financial inclusion um, and how that could just radically alter someone's life. Um, and well, for those that don't know, just just to, just to, and I'm sure, hopefully I got this right. So the, the big issue, they keep so they pay a bit to the big issue. That's right. And then they keep the profit. That's right. Yeah, you get to yeah. sell a magazine, you, you know, and then the, some of the proceeds go to running the magazine, but a lot of the profit goes straight to the vendor. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, yeah, so that was really cool. And I, and I then, um, when I was 18, I went to Brazil for a year to, to work in a kind of disadvantaged part of Sao Paulo city. Um, as a kind of, I would say I was a social worker. I wore many hats. Right. Uh, I did everything from like cleaning, cleaning dishes in a communal kitchen to planting, <laughs> you know, stuff on an organic farm to taking care of like four-year-olds to most interestingly for me at the time, uh, helping the state deliver a conditional cash transfer program, which basically, right. yeah, it was a, a way for the government to encourage kids uh, or parents to send kids to school. Um, and in exchange, they would get money. And so that was the kind of moment where I was like, okay, finance is cool if you use it right. Yeah, um, it's got some power. It's got some power, and I'd love to do something in this uh, sector. And, you know, I was working for quite an entrepreneurial leader in that NGO that I was at in Brazil, and that kind of inspired me to go into um, uh, entrepreneurship, but also with a financial angle. So, yeah, that's the, the kind of how I got that. into all this. Yeah. And how was your Portuguese at the time? Yeah. <laughs> okay. so you spe- presumably you spoke so Japanese and English at the time. Well, yes, I did. And then I didn't have any other languages. I met, um, I mean, maybe it's TMI, but I, I met, uh, I met um, this, uh, this uh, I met a girl in Japan <laughs> prior to going to Brazil. And uh, she was like, uh, she was, she was um, Peruvian. And she was like, you know, I speak Portuguese. And so she was teaching me a little bit. And then when I arrive in Brazil, I'm like all confident and I go up to order <laughs> or get a bus ticket to go to the city center. And I'm like, yeah, I know how to say this. And I say it. And the guy's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, of course, I got taught Spanish. So anyway, it was, uh, yeah, and uh, they're, they're quite different, actually, um, yeah, yeah, as you can imagine. And so, yeah, that was a but no, I, I, um, I didn't understand a word for like three months. And I remember it was really tough, actually. I think I got a little bit depressed. It's um. It's quite a challenge not it's to understand. Hard, especially at anything. 18. Yeah. But no, I picked it up eventually. Um, yeah. 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 And then, so then you, did you come to the UK after that to do the university? You mentioned you went to uni here or? That's right. I mean, so I deferred a place at university. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I ended up going, um, I think, uh, it, yeah, I would have royally pissed off my parents if I didn't um, I did I did seriously consider staying <laughs> oh, in, not going to university or... not going to uni yeah um uh but I, I did consider staying in, in Brazil um I really love the place I still do um I'd love to live there again and yeah. um yeah I wanted what to was... continue working but right uh... now, I'm interested in this because because a lot of people this is a, it's a big conversation right now you know mm. to go to university uh or not um what was your what was the other side of the coin for you well, it's funny, like I, one of the, I, I uh, on a different job, I, I'd worked for another entrepreneur who also had an NGO. Um, well, well, actually, that might have been an NPO. Anyway, um, he was doing another educational kind of startup thing. And he was like, show, why are you going to go to uni? What are you going to get out of it? And he was quite an extreme uh, kind of <laughs> character. And finally, he had gone to university. But I think from that, he was like, it, was, it wasn't very useful. Um, right. And so he was like, his thoughts or his voice was in my head. I think, um, I don't know. I just felt like I, I could do something that I enjoyed quicker and sooner, but ultimately the, 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 the part of my brain that, you know, manages risk was like, you know, I can't, it's too risky. I need a brand on my CV. Um, but who knows like what would have happened if I'd stayed, yeah, of course. Um, I, in, in hindsight, I do think it would have been quite a radical move and it probably would have worked out. 
Uh, I would say though that now it would have been very different because you know being an entrepreneur and setting up stuff I do think is a lot easier um, at least on the in the tech side at the moment um, the availability of tools uh, the precedence in the market of people having done similar things you're you're looking at a, a world where and I think we certainly see this right with Gen Z where you know everyone has some form of entrepreneurial traits and um, experience that they've kind of started at a very young age and so yeah maybe yeah. maybe it would have been different yeah you know it's hard to know it's hard to know i mean i think it's just life's about experiences you know it's quite a unique experience going to university if you can you know i mean there's plenty of people that they can't afford to yeah you know circumstances just made it more difficult um or they're not suited to it you know so i think you know i, I definitely think you can be successful going or not going to university i you know i think you're your path to your path, isn't it? It's unique to you. Yeah. Um, so if any, I think, you know, if anyone's thinking about it, you've got to just think deeply about, about your own situation. I think yeah. it's, it's important to do that. Well, uh, no, it's yeah, really interesting. And then you, um, so then you decided to come to the, U why did you decide to come to the UK versus going back to, uh, to home? Japan. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Well, I mean, I'd studied here. I had a, a network of friends um and i think you know uni friends are going to be some of the i guess that is a plus of going yeah. to uni right you get you make some incredible friends um, my 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 best my best friends are, are from university yeah yeah, yeah exactly. real strong bonds and so that network i i was uh, i actually went back to i did go back home for two years uh to work in professional services after university um and uh but I, but i just got a bit lonely i think and um also the the cultural shock of going from a british uh, or like more i would say western let's say uh kind of working context to a japanese one was quite <laughs> severe um because uh, what are the key the... like what are the key <laughs> oh uh, i could give you some cool examples so i work love for, to hear yeah i work for uh, a company called mckinsey uh which is you know relatively well regarded in, in professional services consulting and so they have a lot of like code of conduct to begin with as a american management consulting firm yeah in japan you have to apply the local cultural behaviors of course so one of the things they do is you have about two weeks of training when you join the firm um and uh i remember getting taught uh now this stuff this you do everywhere in japan but like first of all you learn how to like properly exchange business cards which is a whole ritual there's right. three degrees of bowing that you're taught um depending on the seniority of the person that you're talking to and then finally the one that really got me um it was fascinating really um was uh where you're supposed to stand in an elevator and where you're supposed to sit in a car depending on the seniority of the people that you're with and there's a whole like Wow. system yeah and so um i remember and does that still go on now yeah 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 oh also like where you sit in a room is very important in a restaurant as well um it's actually some of the origins are fascinating it's from um it's from like uh warrior culture and and the kind of long story short of it is that the person um you know who's best like highest in in um stature should have the best view but also should be the most protected so they have oh, to be okay. at the back of the room right in right. the deepest seat yeah. furthest away from the door in case someone comes in and tries to assassinate you which yeah. obviously isn't you know that doesn't happen in day-to-day -day in japanese business life you'd hope but uh, it's just <laughs> it's just like kind of remnants of the culture but 
So, so point being, like, it's highly regimented. There are rituals and rules that make the culture predictable and beautiful in many ways. And I have, I love, it's my home, right? I, I, I love it. But it's also very difficult to work in that environment when you've known something radically different, like living in Brazil or being yeah. part of a more Western kind of liberal demo democratic culture. Japan is a liberal democracy, but I guess that's not the best way to describe it. But you know what I mean? Like a more, yeah, less um, yeah. regimented yeah. country. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And 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 I mean, the thing with, yeah, I, I love, I, I do love that. I mean, it's sure there's pros and cons. I mean, I've never, I've never lived and worked in Japan or experienced it. But the stories and the culture and the history are fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, no, it's... it's amazing. But he here is interesting because here, I mean, you know, I mean, for me, it's the most diverse city I've yeah. ever been to. Or, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I was born here. My parents aren't from here. I've been, uh, you know, to a bunch of other places. But you get so many different types of people here yeah. with all these different cultures and experiences. And, you know, for, for me, that makes it's, this make, it makes London such a wonderful place to live and work. I, I think you're I think you're spot on. Um, actually, it's it's uh, one of the reasons that drew me here that I didn't that I failed to describe. But um, people often ask, like, what was it like in Sao Paulo? What's it like in London? And and the sort of common denominator for cities that I have realized that I really like is um, however, whatever you look like, you could be from that city. Um, and I think the other place that I yeah. felt this is New York and L.A., um, any giant metropolis. Right. That is just a wonderful feeling to like, I remember walking around in Sao Paulo, like not not knowing how to speak a word of Portuguese, but people would assume I was Brazilian. And it was just an amazing feeling because it was just like, oh, okay, so you're not going to judge me for how I look, right? Well, yeah. maybe, well, you kind of are, but you know what I mean? You're still included as a default. Yeah. And now, of course, there's different things and different issues like racism and classism, depending on the city. But I think it's that general abstract layer of like acceptance is quite cool. Um, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. London for sure is one of those cities, um, which is a big attraction, at least for me as well. 100%. Because, you know, when you think of a Londoner, when someone thinks maybe in their mind, what does a Londoner look like? It's all different types of, of people from all yeah. over the place, which is which is super cool. Um, I love that. How was how have you found starting a business in in the UK? Yeah, I mean, I think um, so we're in fintech, right? And I think as part of, well, if you look at the major fintech hubs in the world, um, London is certainly, uh, I think, very, very far advanced when it comes to both the, well, you know, flip side, it's a super competitive market, but at yeah. least if you want to set up a business here in fintech, there's there's a solution for most things that you want to do. And that's that's really exciting. It's a, it's a great place to specifically have a, a fintech, I would say. I think we're a little bit behind on crypto, but um, uh, most other things like embedded finance, uh, you know, challenger, the number of challenger banks that have come out of London is, is oh, phenomenal, right? Um, <coughs> yeah. And so for the sector that we're in, it's great uh, for sure. Um, I think, and in terms of, I also think like tax benefits, like, you know, stuff from like R&D tax credits to uh, employee um, incentive uh, option scheme, tax benefits to entrepreneurial tax relief. Like there's, there's a lot of good things going on here. Uh, yeah. And of course, um, talent, there, there is yeah. a lot of good talent, international talent. Um, people love London. You don't, you know, we're only at the sort of 30 person stage. So I think hyperscaling and the growing and hiring pains that come with it are something that I have not experienced yet. 
um, beyond that 30 person mark, but at least for getting to where we are, hiring is never easy, but I think it's definitely easier in a city like London. Yeah, yeah, there's lo- yeah, there's there's some fantastic people here. Um, well educated, good experience. It's also a place people quite like to come and live for the reasons yeah. we talked about. So it's it's a good spot. Yeah. When did you set up exactly? So we we incorporated in in 2017, mid 2017. But, okay. but um, we 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 joined an incubator called Entrepreneur First, um, which is a pre idea incubator, right? So I would. I would say like we didn't really know what we were doing for like at least nine months, maybe even right. more. Um, so this the company we really got going in 2018. Um, 2018, yeah. okay. So and I'd so you'd like spend four years, yeah. And you so you'd you'd quit your you'd quit your McKinsey job. Mm-hmm. Came to like did you did you work for them in London as well or mm. so you worked for them in London? I worked for them for one year, yeah. Fine, and then you were like entrepreneurship's my path. Well, yeah, I mean, I joined saying I was going to save up money and get yeah. your training and, and leave. And they were totally OK with it, which I was like, cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was always the plan to leave. In fact, I, I overstayed. I think I was going to leave two and a half years, but I needed to save up a bit more. So stayed yeah, yeah. three years in the end. Yeah. Nice. Nice. How's it been? I mean, obviously, you've had COVID and a lot of mm. a lot of crazy stuff going on. But is it what you expected it would be like? Mm. It, it's it's it varies so much like each each phase of the company is very different each macro event that happens completely changes your experience so yeah. certainly yeah a lot of it is unpredictable right i didn't i never felt like of course covid changed a lot of things it's certainly not the experience that i would one would have wanted <laughs> to sign up for um that said there's silver lining that comes out of it um yeah i mean it's blown away my expectations in terms of stress and all that they say it's stressful it really is um at times and then the highs are great as well so you look at yeah you, you cannot predict what it's going to be like it's like someone who was it i can't remember but it, it was like you know starting a startup is like plowing a field with your face which <laughs> i think is one of the better better descriptions i heard and it certainly Love feels that. like that yeah, yeah, yeah. but the point is you're plowing a field, you know, and eventually yeah. it, it produces something. It is a, it yeah, is a it's good, wonderful. It's a great analogy. Anyway, um, yeah, it feels like that. I would say. <laughs> I love that. How how do you find how do you find like balance? So you're you know you're working hard. You're you're trying to get this off the ground. Oh. But are you are you managing to like you know diarize your exercise, eat well? I mean, how, are there a few things that you that you've kind of that you do in your routine that that makes you be able to manage the stress and, and, and all of those things? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm definitely not good at this. I'm quite a, um, I, I struggle personally to stick to routines because I get bored of them very quickly, um, which is a good and a bad thing. I mean, I, at the start of the year, I was on a terrific track, like exercising four or five days a week. Um, I would run, you know, I, I, I as mentioned, like I, I really hate inefficiency um uh so i'll do things like run to the office and back on tuesdays and wednesdays and then yeah. every sunday i i'll you know en route to seeing friends go to the gym or like for me it was about optimizing um the time i have to achieve as many things at once um is is how i think about it uh yeah. and that that works to a certain degree until i get bored of that and then or and until you know 
difficult stuff comes up at work that requires more mental bandwidth or time and then it kind of goes out the window so i think routine for me hasn't been my strong strength what, what i have tried to do a lot uh, a lot more recently is around like um learning more about my brain um and getting help from like coaches to figure out like how do you stay um, mentally as stable as possible um and and that to me has been i think the most uh high, high leverage thing um because yeah when it comes to routine i'm just not very good at it but yeah so yeah. that's how i think about it for me it's much more about i love that control. <laughs> yeah and and also interesting because you're, you're you're starting it sounds like and i talk about this quite a bit you're starting to get you know people around you that are advising you so whether it's an exec coach mentor or or you know or similar types of people to help you go through the journey which i think mm -hmm. is really cool yeah I, it's it's uh it's important to to do that and i think i mean i probably don't lean on people enough is the feedback that i get but um you know whenever i do i'm always like amazed by the generosity but also how quickly they can help you feel better about a situation or whatnot yeah no it's really important i, I do the same i set up my business quite a while ago and, and having a good uh I always call it, you know, putting together a personal board of directors, you know, mm -hmm. like people around you with, you know, different skill sets and, and different experiences to help you along on your journey, which I, I think it works really, really well. And yeah. something people miss sometimes. Are you, did you set up, um, when you set up, were you all in the office? And how yeah, are yeah, you yeah. now after COVID? Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting topic. I, um, yeah, so we started, uh, well, I mean, it was just two of us. And then yeah. uh, we then moved to a school building that was about to be torn down and like oh, rented cool. desks for, I think it was like 200 pounds a month each or something crazy cheap. And then nice. steadily worked our way up to the WeWorks, to the, to the yeah. whatever. Um, when lockdown happened, we were in a, I think, a 15-person uh, office within a shared um, shared office building called Uncommon. Um, oh yeah, in, in yeah, in in, in Barra, yeah. and oh, I love that place. It's such a good vibe there. Anyway, um, yeah. and then we were like, cool. I <laughs> the annoying thing. I'd signed a lease for a, a thirty-six person or something uh, private office in Farringdon, which we still are in. Um, right. But I signed it in guess what February 2019. <laughs> so uh, right before right before shit hits the fan. I, 2020. I, 2020. What's well, 2020? My bad. Yeah. yeah. 2020. Um, yeah. So right uh, before it all hits, I, I I've signed up to this like 18. Oh no, was it 12? I can't remember. <laughs> maybe 15, something like that. Um. So I felt like an idiot. Luckily, the landlord was super um uh, flexible and like gave us a good amount of amazing. Um, yeah. Credit discount. Whatnot. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew, right? But yeah, anyway, so I felt like an idiot. But that said, um, we yeah, we then, of course, following the rules, did fully remote um, for what felt like eternity. Now we are hybrid. So we're fully hybrid. Um, I would actually say we're kind of, well, internally, we are remote, remote first, I would say, um, in practice. And so we're, you know, just shy of 30 people. Um, remote first are... means, means what exactly? That they can choose... Okay. Yeah, yeah. So basically, okay, officially, it's it's a hybrid model. Um, you get to choose if you want to have a desk in the office dedicated to you. Um, so you can put your fancy monitor or whatever. Um, and then or you can hot desk and um, people have the choice. Uh, and once they pass probation, they get to choose. Um, and what happens is, um, 
the expectation for someone that has a dedicated space is that you come into the office at least two to three times a week. Um, we don't really enforce it, but generally yeah. when people do have a dedicated space, you do see them doing that. Um, and then everyone else is flexible. We also have about a quarter of our team who aren't in London to begin with. Um, okay. So we don't have an expectation for them to commute in at all. Um, but we do, um, we do, well, we're starting to do more, uh, you know, combination of remote, um, remote events that everyone can join, which are like socials and also now, um, starting to do like off sites as well. So yeah. I'd say fairly typical these days, hybrid working model, uh, employees can work, um, anywhere in the world for up to, you know, one calendar month for tax reasons, uh, each okay. year, uh, as well. Um, and then, yeah, we don't really have fixed hours either. I mean, contractually we do, but you know, we so don't really care. Yeah. You can do, we had one guy working in Australia, uh, for three weeks the other day, for example, you know, nice. no one really, we don't really care <laughs> as long as the work gets done. What a, yeah. what a change from February, uh, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I'm sure like you speak, to, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you speak to founders. I'm, I think in general, the opinions I've heard are like, uh, I wish everyone was in the office. Um, and I certainly have feelings like that as well, but I, I feel like, you know, I do think that, that, uh, that's probably just nostalgic mentality. And, and, and the truth is, uh, it's very hard to imagine a world where everyone is back. Um, yeah, I can't see that happening at least in the short term, perhaps, perhaps it'll tip again, but, um, I don't, yeah, we're not anticipating that. No, I don't think so. It's interesting. I speak to so many different types of businesses and, and CEOs and founders and stuff. And I think that probably the, the most common is hybrid. Yeah. Um, there's many issues with hybrids. I mean, not everyone, to, to you kind of alluded to it a little bit, not everyone has the same work experience. You know, if you're fully remote and your team are in and, and then you're joining a call and they're all doing a pri private joke in the office and you're not quite part of it. And so there's, there's some, you know, it's not, I don't think it's necessarily perfect. Um, some some firms have gone fully remote, completely mm -hmm. remote. Um, in fact, we've just gone fully remote as of as of last month. But we're more oh, cool. international. Like we've got our team members are all over the world, and so it made it made sense to us. So I think it it depends on the business, you know, where the people are located. Um, certainly, I'm finding a lot of the larger firms. I mean, if you have real estate, you mm. want people in, you know, and so that is maybe quietly a driver for many firms wanting people in. And um, it's also quite difficult to get your head around le like leading and managing a virtual team. And I find people struggle with, you know, you know, it's, it's really about output, right? Output, productivity and happiness. And I think if you, you know, if people are happy, they're more productive and all of those things. And, and that the, the, the uh, you know, the presenteeism or the time people are working, I think it feels like it shouldn't be that important. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think you know it's, it's a great kind of way to look at it. Um, if you have a sliding scale of like, well, it's not a sliding scale really, but like you know, if you're optimizing for productivity and happiness combined and create like a, a variable based on the combination of the two, I think. And then you have you know, people coming in one to five days a week. My guess is that the perfect sweet spot. It does depend on the person, but if you average it out, would probably be somewhere between two to three days in the office a week. Because I think um, yeah. as much as I, I know people claim that like fully remote is great and it's blah, blah. 
I, I do think even the most introverts probably need some social interaction to, to feel productive, to feel part of a team. And we certainly had this issue a little bit where people that were fully remotely onboarded, it took longer for them to feel integrated. Yeah, um, that's true. And I think in an ideal world for me, you'd give people the flexibility, but still create some touch points in person. And I reckon that from an organizational productivity and happiness standpoint, that's the that's the best route forward. That's my guess personally. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I think I agree. I mean, for me, um, for me, I, I, I although we don't have an office, and not all my colleagues are in the UK, I like getting out. And so I, I work from a, a members club or co-working space. I've said to all of my team they can do the same. You know, so some work at home, some do a mix. Um, whatever they want, because I, you know, the, you're right. There's no one size fits all, and mm-hmm. you know, some people, have, people have different preferences, or they're more productive at certain times of the day. But the hu- the human contact, the face to face, is just awesome. I get so much energy for meeting people. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's finding the balance. I mean, like for me, like we, you know, we don't have an office, and so actually, we're not going to be suited to to everyone. You know, mm-hmm. I, I met someone the other day. We were trying to hire, and and they said, "Well, I actually, I quite want an office. I want to, I want to come in, and 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 so we're not, we're not the right firm for them, yeah. You know, because we don't have one. We meet up when we up regularly, but they wanted. So it's yeah, it's just appreciating. I think that you know that people work in a work differently, have different preferences, but I I really love the I really love the uh, the face to face interaction. Whether whether we'll ever will ever go back to pre COVID. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't. But think who so. knows? I mean, I don't. I think mean, so. I, I don't think I want to either. Yeah, it's nice. It's Friday. I'm at home. Um, got to lie yeah. in a bit this morning. Like it's it's so much better, right? It's uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And the other thing is, it's ne- never going back. We're only moving forwards, right? So yeah. it's never. Ev- nothing's ever going to be quite the same. But I, I think we've. I think we're entering into a really good a good place, you know, for work and and life and and all of those things and. Um, the well-being topic's interesting. I'd love to hear your thoughts on on mm. that because, you know, over COVID, I mean, it wasn't the work from home everyone was campaigning for pre-COVID. You know, it's big campaigns for flexible working and things and suddenly got thrusted working from home. And there's been a lot of burnout and, and loneliness, to, to, to your point. Have you done anything to help your team or yourself, actually, through through that experience? Yeah, I mean... It's, it's tough. Again, like, I think a lot of this stuff, I, I mean, I'd love to hear from people who have cracked it, but I would say, I would imagine yeah. 90% <laughs> of companies are still trying to figure it out, right? It's not been that yeah. long and it's also a very difficult problem. Um, I think we, I think the one like value that we have, which uh, I guess comes from the, well, the founder me is that we try to be as open, um, as possible now this will lead to something uh to your to your to your question um and i think we do we do promote a culture of like high vulnerability um and if someone is clearly struggling trying to like you know not call them out on it but make it clear that we we can tell and that we're here to help etc yeah um and i think underlying everything that we do one of the things that i am proud of having to being able to build here is 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 yeah a culture of like high vulnerability openness and i think ultimately that creates a good foundation of trust um and so yeah while it's a bit of a soft answer i would say that's generally helped us but that was pre-covid true as well 
the things that, uh, you know, we have done other things like making count, um, kind of uh, doing like mental health first aid workshops, uh, or we got people to train some of our team in that, um, to um, having quite uh, frequent NPS surveys uh, going out with loads of different questions. And we still haven't cracked those questions either. I mean, we're constantly iterating, but just making sure to the team that like, look, we, we are measuring, we do care, and we do want to continuously improve, even if we might be messing stuff up. Um, yeah. I think that's the stance that we've taken. Um, and yeah, again, it's not perfect, right? We do see high fluctuations in, in MPS and um, kind of team member well-being too. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, certainly I love that. trying to trying to deal with the problem, right? It's just like you know, you kind of anticipate failure, you you, you but you keep trying. Is is I think where we yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think the the the, the foundation is, is is what you you started out with. It's you know having a having a culture where people can come and say hey i'm really struggling you know can you help me you know because because yeah. just saying those words to a to a, a boss or manager someone that's paying you a salary things that's super hard yeah you know oh, I, I, had, I had it's super hard i had i heard from a lot of a lot of people they just said I'm, I'm burning out i don't want to tell my manager i don't want to be the next one out the door you know they're working like a million hours a day and they seem fine you know, like every, all these things go through everyone's head. Um, but having the right culture in place that they can, you know, they can actually feel safe saying it because it's almost, you know, people feel embarrassed a bit that they're not coping. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. And and to be clear, like you know, we're not at the state where everyone is openly sharing all the time. It's it's more no, no, no. we make a conscious effort to try and like yeah. poke. <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that I think we do relatively well. Um, yeah. but yeah, that, that to me is in terms of well-being, yeah, because also like I'm a big, uh, you know, I care a lot about mental health, um, due, due to like various reasons, but like, uh, it's a very difficult and personal topic, right? Like counseling doesn't work for everyone or like, it doesn't feel like the natural fit. So offering it as a benefit, we, we, you know, we actually did try offering it as a benefit during COVID, but uptake was actually really low. Um, right, and yeah, I mean, some people liked it, but then, then, you know, the ultimate test is, are you going to, what's your engagement rate post first session? Are you going to repeat? And like, yeah. it was really, really low. Um, and, and, you know, you do, I, I, I just guess like, I think you, it's difficult. There's no one size fits all. Um, yeah. Yeah. It has been our experience. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Shay, thank you so much. We've done. 45 minutes, which is great. It feels like only like two minutes or so. <laughs> uh, great chat. It did feel like a, a podcast, really. It felt more yeah, just a casual conversation, which I really I love enjoyed. It. So, yeah, I love it. Thanks you so you much. seem to be doing some some great stuff. And uh, I'm going to be following you intently and watch out for you at Baron Wolf in Tufnell Park. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, see you there, probably. Uh, um, yeah, no, thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for, for watching and listening as well. Um, and you can subscribe on, we're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even on TikTok, actually, we've, oh, uh, cool. we've just cracked on our, our TikTok and uh, the nice. recruitment show. But thank you so much, everyone, and have a great day. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe in all the usual places.